If you can open to our second reading this morning, we'll turn back to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, we'll complete the rest of the reading in that chapter. Go to Luke chapter 4, verse 33, please, in your Bibles. Verse 33. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word, and let us pray before we begin. (laughs) Dear Lord, as we just read, we read again of thy power, we read of thy authority, Lord, of thy majesty, of thy total uh, domination over the kingdom of darkness, and that, Lord, even the demons believe and are afraid of Thee, Lord. And, Lord, how much more should man be afraid of Thee, Lord, uh, of Thy power, that is. And that, Lord, You know all things. You know the very depth of our heart. You know every aspect of our thinking. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. 
And Lord, in thy great power, Lord, you, you know how to deal with the kingdom of darkness. You know how to deal with even that remaining sin that remains in us. Lord, you know how to deal with those who object to your word and reject it wholeheartedly. You know how to deal with those that are um, abject unbelievers and, and deny everything you say. Lord, we know that you are merciful and that, Lord, you can convert uh, the darkest heart to thyself. And, Lord, as we just witnessed the reading of thy word, that, Lord, you, you commanded uh, wicked spirits to depart from men and women. Lord, who were tormented day and night, Lord, and had no freedom from this bondage. Yet, Lord, in your mercy, you freed them wonderfully. And Lord, you've done the same to those of us here who have uh, trusted in thee and who are now new creatures in Christ. Uh, Lord, you've given us this uh, radical new change of heart that we can love thee and know thee and we can look to thee. Uh, Lord, you're so merciful and gracious. And Lord, how amazing is your love towards us as as a hymn writer of amazing grace knew that wretchedness of his own heart and yet could sing about your amazing grace towards him and lord in the same way we are in awe of your love towards us and lord we pray that as this word is brought to bear upon us this day that it would have a power and authority as well and that lord your Holy Spirit would be uh, powerful to take the word and not just merely bring it to our minds, but take it to our hearts where that work of sanctification is wrought. And we pray that we would become more like our Savior, uh, that the world would know that there is a God in heaven, that the world may know that there is a Christ that is ready to save and redeem. Lord, help us this morning as we sit under thy word. We pray for uh, wisdom and guidance. We pray that, Lord, you would take uh, me, just a man of dust, that, Lord, you would be pleased to use uh, this man, that, Lord, I would be uh, just a mere vessel, Lord, in the hands of the, the potter. Uh, help me, help all of us, Lord, to grow and mature in our walk with thee. And Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, first things first, I am excited and delighted of the, the news that Mr. Rizma just reported that Mr. Andrew Fitton has accepted the call. So we're thrilled. And uh, all that thrills my soul is Jesus, <laughs> as we sang. So praise the Lord. And uh, we're thankful that uh, Brother Andrew Fitton has accepted the call. Pray for him. Pray for his wife. Uh, they have decisions to make. Um, they need the Lord's wisdom as well. And uh, we had decisions to make as a church as well. So we're, we encourage you to pray for us. And uh, that we would know uh, how to go about this uh, new course in, our, in the life of our church. Uh, this church has only known one pastor for 30 years. 
And we're so thankful for that faithfulness of the Lord towards Reverend Ian Gallagher. And we just pray, Lord, would help our brother, Mr. Andrew Fitton, as well in the same manner. And uh, we're, we're, we're rejoicing this day. Uh, so rejoice with us as well. We encourage you to do that. Let's look to our word now as we come to read about the Lord and uh, who he is. As, uh, as we read here in verse 14, um, it begins that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Now, last time I was up here, I was reading from Matthew chapter 4. It was dealing with the Lord coming out of the wilderness where he was there 40 days being tempted of the devil. And the Lord came out of that victorious and had conquered the enemy, showed him that he had nothing in him uh, as he reigned victorious throughout all those temptations. But prior to that, the Lord was baptized by John the Baptist before he went into the wilderness, where it says in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. So the Lord had his public declaration by the Father in heaven, was anointed by the Holy Spirit. There's your trinity right there. If anyone asks you, just as a side note, it's right there. And so the Lord started right then and there, that being declared by John the Baptist, the one whose latches of his sandals he was not worthy to even open, was the one being declared the Son of God by the Father in heaven, in whom he was well pleased. And so the Lord, coming from his baptism to the victory in the wilderness over temptation, now returns to Galilee, it says, in the power of the Spirit. The Lord was anointed to preach the gospel. He was anointed to have victory over sin, death, and hell, as we will learn. He came in mighty power. And it says in the remainder of the verse, And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about, in all of Galilee. And now where, where did he teach the Lord? As we carry on in verse 15, He taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Every Saturday of the Jewish calendar, he would be in the synagogues, preaching, uh, teaching. This was, as it says here, his custom in verse 16. And this was in Nazareth where the Lord did this. He grew up in Nazareth. Uh, they knew this Jesus, the teachers of the law here in this synagogue. And as we read in previous verses, if you go to Luke chapter 2, if you go to Luke chapter 2, you see how they may know this Christ. In verse 40, it says, or verse 39, and when they had performed all things, this is now after Jesus and Mary, sorry, Joseph and Mary had brought Christ from the temple where he was ceremonially uh, circumcised. That 
And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And if you carry on to verse 42, it says, And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Carrying down to verse 46, And it came to pass after, that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. That's Joseph and Mary when they saw him doing this. So these folks here in Nazareth in the synagogue, they're acquainted with this young man, Jesus Christ, who's here now at the age of 30. And he reads a portion of scripture that they hand to him as custom in the synagogue, there would be the priest, there would be the Levite that would read, and there would be other Israelites within the synagogue that would read the scriptures. So they hand the scriptures of verse 17, there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. They gave him the book to read, the specific portion where it was written in verse 18 from Isaiah chapter 61, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 20, he closed the book, and he gave it back to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Now we could just keep reading. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? They knew this young man, who he was, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here he is preaching this text a wonderful text, and they say, wow, they say, what gracious words proceeded out of his mouth at this point. It's wonderful to hear. But Jesus carries on, and he has these words. He says unto them, he says, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself, which in a sense means uh, do what you say, he says, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. He's reading their minds. He already knows what they're thinking. He is now bringing up to them this very, you could say, warning that he knows what they're thinking. And that he is now letting them know, this is what you're going to say to me. In your unbelief, this is what you're going to say to me. Because remember, this is Joseph's son. Jesus is from Nazareth. Remember Nathaniel? He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth has a reputation. It's not a great place. It's not a wonderful place to go to. What could they be thinking about this young man? They could be thinking, well, 
he is the son of a carpenter. What does he know? He's not educated like us. He doesn't go to the great synagogue. He doesn't have the great learning of the doctrine of the law as us. Or some could say, well, truly this is a teaching of the Lord, the, that God has helped this young man, because how else could he know these things? How else could he be so gracious? They know who this Jesus is. He's grown up in their midst. He's been working with his father, Joseph, the carpenter. And he's warning them now. If you look in verse 24, he says, and he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. So verse 25, But I tell you of a truth, Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land. So now he's bringing up Elijah, the prophet. He's saying Elijah was not even, he's one of these prophets that wasn't even accepted in your own country. And when you go back to that teaching in scripture, that's when Elijah was proclaiming to Ahab for three years, the heavens will be shut. No rain. This is judgment upon Israel. They wouldn't even accept Elijah's word. I tell you the truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years, six months. Verse 26. But unto none of them was Elijah sent. Speaking of Israel. Save this woman in Sarepta, a city of Sidon, who was a widow. Where he stayed for three years. And took care of well, she took care of him. And he took care of her spiritually and the boy, her son. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving name in the Syrian. So he brings up Elisha the prophet, who was not accepted in his own country. Yet the Lord had mercy, not on the Israelites at that time, but on Naaman the Syrian, who was a Gentile. In a word, this is condemnation upon the speak, that those who are hearing him speak. He's speaking very harshly here. Because he's telling them, I know what you think. And in verse 28, all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. They were filled with wrath. Because they knew he was talking to them about God's mercy towards Gentiles and not to them because of their hardness of heart. And how much wrath were they filled with? In verse 29, he rose up, they rose up, and they thrust him out of the city. They took him out with force and led him into the, onto the brow of the hill. They're on a hill in Nazareth whereon the, their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. The anger they displayed was to the point of murder. They wanted to throw him down the hill, headlong, head first, just toss him down the hill. They wanted to kill him at this point. It was stinging words he proclaimed to them. Stinging words. Now bear that in mind as we continue on. But, by, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. So now they take him to this edge of the cliff where they're about to end him. Somehow the Lord 
passes through the midst of them and went his way, it says here in Scripture, and came down. Now he goes down the hill to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. And then he teaches them on the Sabbath day again, as was his custom to go to the synagogue and teach. Now, I had to try and find out what does this mean, passing through the midst of them. How, How would he do this? In other parts of Scripture, we read in Sodom and Gomorrah when the angels show up and they meet Lot and his family and they're come against uh, by the people of Sodom. And it says that they come against the angels in order to have them, right? They want to sodomize these angels. They want to commit homosexual rape against these angels. So... What do the angels do? They blind them. And they can't, so they can't see where they're going, what they're doing. That could be a possibility that the Lord blinded them and that they knew not what to do, where to go. They couldn't see him. That's a possibility. The Lord caused confusion at the Tower of Babel when the people were united as one. And they spoke one language, and they all went towards building this tower to heaven, proclaiming how great and powerful they were as man. What did the Lord do? He confused them, confused their languages, that none of them could understand each other. Right? That's a possibility. The Lord could have confused them. But the Lord has a power to do that, does he not? He has a power to do really whatever he wants, and then he just passed through the midst of them and went his way. So we see that the Lord, in his opening ministry, has confrontation, right? Right away, from his baptism, he goes right into the desert, in the wilderness, confronted by the devil, right away, right? In the power of the Spirit. He comes out of that, victorious, confrontation, right away, right? When he's in... The, the synagogue, preaching the word, teaching the word, confrontation. The Lord knows the hearts of men, and then he exposes them, right? He tells us, he exposes us in the same way. He knows our heart, and he exposes it, and then we come to this place of repentance. And so we'll see how these men respond in the synagogue. Now bear in mind, we're going to read a contrasting comparison with the people that Christ now goes to minister to. In verse 33, And in the synagogue, this is now he's in Capernaum, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice. Now, bear in mind, this is in the synagogue. This is not outside in the streets. This is in the synagogue. There was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? They know who he is. This devil knows who he is. He's calling, he tells them where he's coming from, Jesus of Nazareth. Other scriptures say the, devil, the devils know who he is and they tremble. They say, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. The devils confess who he is. Perhaps some of the leaders of the synagogue were there. Maybe they heard the devils proclaim the Messiah. Can you imagine that? 
Can you picture that? And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out. And otherwise, be silent, speak no more, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown this man in the synagogue, in the midst of them, in the center, it's like in the center of the church, he came out of him and heard him not. In other parts of scripture, you see the devil's wailing and screaming and bringing harm. Their testimony of the parents that said their son was thrown into the fire. The devils were harming this child. Not this time. Jesus had great power and authority here in showing him uh, who's in charge. And in verse 36, they were all amazed. Everyone that saw this. And they spake among themselves saying, what a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Now, that would make you popular if you could do that. That would make you popular. All the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Mind you, there's no printing press here. There's no internet. It's word of mouth. But it travels fast. Right? And these... All these people, every place of the country round about, knew about this Jesus, who he was. What's he doing? Because it's powerful. No one has seen this done before. With such authority and power. No one has seen anyone do this. Now in verse 38, it says, He arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. So now the ministry carries on. It's moving forward. It's not stopping. He moves on out of the synagogue and he enters into Simon's house. Now here's the first mention of an apostle. This is Simon, Peter. Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever and they besought him for her. They're already seeking him. They know he's commanded devils out. Now, can you cure her of her fever? And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. The Lord is curing fevers now. Fevers can be severe. They can kill us. This could have been a very serious fever. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. She was cured instantly. She went to work right away. After she was cured, she went to minister unto them. Right? Maybe she went and cooked some fish and brought some bread to feed and minister to all them there. You know, you contrast that with some of these televangelists who run around claiming to be healers. And then you find out a lot of the people that were at their meetings were never truly healed. It was temporary. And then they were back to where they were again. That's not healing. That's fraud. If they were truly a healer and a man of God, she'd be in the hospitals healing the sick, right? That's what they should be doing and, and preaching the gospel to them as well. Christ didn't just merely heal and cure for the sake of making people's lives more comfortable. He was pointing them to him and proclaiming the kingdom of heaven that it is now upon you. Here is the power of heaven upon you. 
it's great authority. And that was a purpose of the healing and the miracles that Christ would do. Yes, it gave them comfort. Yes, it gave them healing. But it pointed, it's supposed to point them to him as a source of heaven's blessing. It's Christ the Lord. Now in verse 40, it says, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. He's curing everything. He's come to Capernaum and he's curing all these sicknesses, these diseases. Everyone is bringing him somebody with a sickness. It says the sun was setting. This is before the night ends. You know, the, the Lord said that the night is coming when, uh, and the day is ending when the work is to be done and the people are bringing him those that need healing. They know who he is now. Like this is a man of God. He's healing everyone. The people are amazed. And in verse 41, it continues, And devils also came out of many, out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God, the declaration of the Messiah. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. Everyone knows at this point in Capernaum, this is the Messiah. This has to be. It has to be. Who else could it be? They know that the Messiah is going to come and do wonderful things. But with such power, this is a man of God. There's no other answer for it. He can't be a mere magician. He must be the Messiah. He must be. In verse 42, and when it was day, this is now the Lord going on into the next day, he departed and went into a desert place. The Christ is a common theme when he after much ministry he would then go ahead and retire himself alone into a desert place which is often the case and he would go to pray Christ would depart to pray and in Luke 9:58 Jesus said foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man hath not where to lay his head he was working. He was busy to preach the kingdom of God. He had no time to rest. He had to work. And that verse I just read, that was said to those who would follow him, who would be his disciples, who were asking, Master, what should I do? And he said to follow him. And some would say, well, let me bury my father first. And he would say, well, there's no time to wait you do it now. You follow him now. So he has no time to waste. He's at work. He's committed to the cause of the kingdom of heaven, and that is to bring the good news and to preach the gospel to the poor, to all those who are poor of spirit. Whether you're wealthy or rich, you're poor of spirit. If you're not born again, born of the spirit of God, born into the kingdom of heaven. He, he is on a mission, and he's out to seek and save that which is lost. Now, we, we, as we carry on, he says that the people sought him. 
they came unto him, and they stayed him that he should not depart from them. This is the contrast to those in the synagogue that forced him out and sought to kill him. The people have seen a wonderful thing. And they've seen this Christ now wonderfully healing the sick and curing all those with illnesses. And, and he is delivering those captive to devils. They are now telling him, Lord, don't leave. Stay with us. Don't go. We need you here. Don't go. And he, and he says unto them, this is his response. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore am I sent. That he has work to do. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee, it says. He continued the preaching of the kingdom in the synagogues of Galilee. He didn't quit. He kept going. So he's preaching the kingdom to other cities also. Now, what can we learn? What are some of the things we could take away from this? I, I attempted to create the context here of the whole, the whole scenario that we just read. That as the Lord started in the baptism, his baptism, then in the wilderness, and now he's beginning his ministry going forward. Here's how his ministry is unveiling itself. The Son of God is preaching the kingdom of heaven. He's facing persecution from those who are, have the great advantage of God's word, his prophecies, and they are blind to seeing that he is the Son of God. And yet he goes to those who are, don't have those great privileges, but yet he preaches to them the kingdom of heaven. He heals, he delivers, he does all the powerful things that only God can do. And those are who I witness it are coming after him now. And they're begging him not to leave, but stay, stay with me. And the Lord, you know, he is so passionate, passionate for sinners that are lost that have this love for him. We see now, and just carry on a bit here, verse chapter 5, verse 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, they pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. He didn't leave them. They were pressing into him. They wanted him to stay. They wanted to hear him preach the word. They wanted him so much now that here's a man that cares for us, that loves us. He's healing us, he's curing us, and he's preaching to us. The Pharisees and the Sadducees would not do that. They, it was below them to go down and do this. And, and Christ, he carries on. He says to Simon Peter in verse 3 that he prays him that he would thrust out a little from the land and he sat down in a ship and taught them out of the ship on the water as he would teach thousands. If you picture this in Galilee, he's preaching to thousands at the shore of Galilee. The Lord is like a magnet. He's bringing these people towards him. And how can they not resist? He's, 
He's done all these wonderful things. In so many ways, we're, as believers, we want the Lord to stay. We don't want Him to go away. We want to enjoy His presence as much as we can. And in this life, we do have times when we feel like we're a million miles away from the Lord. Not to worry. In eternity, you will be with Him and you will know Him even greater. But in this life, we do have those weaknesses of the flesh where we feel distant from the Lord. And yet we are to seek Him. We're to seek Him greatly uh, with all our hearts, with all our desire to draw near to Him so that He may minister to us in our time of need. And we need Him all the time. The people that came to see Him had a great desire. They were waiting upon the promises of God that the Messiah would come and deliver them. Uh, They may not have thought it would be in the person of Christ. They perhaps were thinking it would be a military conquest, that the Messiah would deliver them from their oppressors, who would have been the Roman Empire at that time. Now, we as believers have this Desire, But I speak to those now who are not yet convinced that Christ is the Messiah, that he's the Savior of mankind, that he is the one that has come to save us from our sins, that he's the only one that can do this. And that apart from him, uh, we are left to ourselves to attempt to make ourselves whole, to attempt to make ourselves right with God. And we are left with our own devices, whether they're religious devices or devices that are left in unbelief that we desire not God because we desire our own way. We want our own sin. We want to revel in it. And no one can tell us otherwise. Well, my question to you is, are you seeking deliverance? From your sin? Are you seeking the Lord? Are you seeking truth? Are you seeking answers for the purpose of your existence? I submit to you, Christ is all of those combined in one. And He's the only one that can answer your heart's cry for forgiveness of your sins, for the reason why you even exist. And that is, my friend, I tell you, to worship Him and to worship Him alone. He's created you for Him, that you would know Him and that you would know your sins forgiven. That's your greatest need. The men and women here that we read about in Scripture, they had their sicknesses healed. They had their illnesses cured. And they were amazed by that. And... I don't know the hearts of men and women. Perhaps that's all they were interested in was the fact that he can do these wonderful things. Maybe they didn't really want him. Maybe they just wanted the miracle worker. Maybe that's all they wanted. And they wanted their lives to be made more comfortable. When you become a Christian, yes, your soul's at peace, but it doesn't guarantee you a comfortable life. If you're healed of the Lord today, It doesn't mean your life will be much more easier. But you may know the healing of the Lord. 
the Lord doesn't promise you an easy life. But he does promise you that he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you in those conditions, those difficulties and challenges of life. The Lord did say that he would... If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, I'll just read that. I don't want to just say it, but let's be precise. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. And this is the gospel call. I do want to, I do want to give you the gospel call today. This day, any who are not in Christ, any who are not trusting him or believing him. That in Matthew 11, the Lord does say, come unto me. He says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. So that's the promise to you today. Now, as believers, we rejoice in that. And we say, yes, Lord, I want that light burden. But as an unbeliever, as one that is not believing in Christ, I don't want you to believe him for his miracles. I want you to believe him for who he is, the Son of God, that promises to relieve you of your burden. What is that burden? It's your sin. It's your guilt, your shame, your condemnation. That's a heavy burden to bear. No one can lift that. No one can carry that all their lives and try to eliminate that. And if you're a religious person, you cannot eliminate that by your good deeds. Your good deeds will never outweigh your bad. You will never know. So I, I tell you today, your burden is heavy if you're unforgiven and you're in your sin. It's heavy. You can't carry that burden. But the Lord promises to take it away, lift it up, and give you rest. And that your burden will be easier, lighter. You'll be free from that bondage of sin. The freedom from sin is your greatest obstacle. Only Christ can free you from that. And we live in a world today that does not acknowledge sin. Live in a world today that psychology has taken over even in churches where they don't even, they don't even minister to sinners. They minister to the symptom, not the sin, but to the symptom because that's a psychological term. Everything's medicalized. No, there, sin is at the top, let's say, in all the... Illnesses and depravities of mankind derive from that sin. So if there's any man or woman out there today that's struggling in, in homosexuality or whatever it is, we tell, what does the world say? Oh, you're okay. You're fine. Go on your merry old way. No. The Bible says that's a sin. And the good news is it can be forgiven. That's the answer. Forgiveness for sin. It, I'm not just picking a, on someone in homosexuality, but any sin. Doesn't matter what it is. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, lust of the heart. All those things. Idolatry. 
worshiping other things besides God, drunkenness, abortion, drugs, whatever the issue is. It's all the root is sin. And that sin will be dealt with at the cross, where your salvation is, where your redemption is. That's your only answer. So the church has the answer to your sin. God has the answer to your sin. The word of God, Christ, is the answer to your sin. We don't bring anything to our salvation, just our sin. He does the rest. He takes care of the rest. So friend, the power of the gospel is unto salvation. It's for you by Christ alone, in Christ alone. He will forgive you and he will cleanse you like he cleansed those of diverse diseases or lepers or delivered those of possession, demonic possession. He will free you from all those things. That's who he is. Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we declare that this morning from this pulpit. There's no other answer on earth for mankind but Christ alone who can save every sinner. And that is for you, my friend, and that's for believers that Christ is our only hope. And I trust that the Lord would minister to us, that this word would take root in us, that we remember that we read scripture. It's not just fanciful stories, but it's the reality of Christ, who he is, that he is the Messiah, that he is the one that came to save that which was lost. And friends, uh, I encourage you, if you are cold in heart, to please... Go back to your first love, who is Christ. Open his word. Read his word. Pray over his word. Seek him with all your heart. Pour your heart out to him. Cry out to him. Seek him. You're in a battle. You are in a war. And in this war, you need the commanding authority of Christ in your life. So please seek him with all your heart. And we'll close in prayer here and then we'll have our final hymn Heavenly Father we seek thee O God this morning Lord we recognize your power and authority over the powers of darkness over uh, man's sin Lord that you have all dominion and power and authority under heaven And that, Lord, even one day, every knee shall bow unto thy name. And that, Lord, there is none who is out of this great, merciful uh, grace that you have spread across uh, this world. That, Lord, there is none too lost that can't be saved. Lord, you are so gracious and kind and patient in saving sinners. And, Lord, we are those who... Say that, Lord, we love thee because you first loved us and that you have shown us such great mercy. Uh, Yet we're undeserving sinners. Lord, except for your grace, there go I. We could be just like that lost man or woman out there in the world today. Yet, Lord, you have wonderfully and, and 
miraculously saved us from ourselves and you have brought us into this new fellowship with thee that we can love the the god of heaven the and his son the lord jesus christ and the holy spirit the great comforter who ministers to us lord we are such blessed people we are so blessed the most blessed people in the world and lord here we are proclaiming your name Help us to do this continually. Help us to always seek thy face. Lord, we pray for those, uh, Lord, who are not in Christ. I do pray that, Lord, this world that is so lost and, and in darkness and, and so misled by the powers of hell, that, Lord, you would mightily and powerfully convert those, perhaps even listening now, Lord, that need deliverance from sin from dark sin. Lord, deliver them and cleanse them mightily, wonderfully, radically, that they would be a new creature in Christ. Lord, we just pray that. And we commend ourselves to Thee that, Lord, You are wonderful, You are mighty and powerful, holy and righteous, mighty to save. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.